Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show as we start your day off here on Northeast Streaming Sports, Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. Live. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Hall of Fame legendary boxing writer, Jack Hirsch, bringing you a sports breakfast live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Today's guest, we have Byron Williams and coming in at 8.30 as our NFL analyst. He's with us every week and on Friday. And we have Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk will be in about 9. And then the Philly sports guy himself, Jamie Pax, will be in giving us our Philadelphia sports. Good morning, Jack. How you doing today? Good morning, Mac. I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, the NFL, the week started last night, which I'm sure you're going to get into shortly. And, uh, yeah, and yeah. We're, you know, we're getting into the nitty-gritty time. It's getting to be interesting, Mac. Anytime we talk football now, there's no more of this talk that, well, it's early in the season. Every game seems to be a big game for some teams. Very true. Good morning, David. Glad to have you in. Uh, on non-related sports, because we're going to get to that in a minute. We'll get to Thursday Night Football, NBA, and NHL scores. You know, uh, the big move for Northeast Streaming Sports, we're going on the Roku channel, uh, uh, our own channel on Roku. I just previewed it privately, Jack, as I watched our logo go up on TV with our beginning of video, I should say. And there's a lot of work to be done, but we're thinking – by the end of December, beginning of January, Northeast Streaming Sports, including the Mac and Jack Sports Show, will be on your television at home. So it's pretty exciting stuff happening over there right now. So, Jack, let's get to uh, last night's NBA scores really quick. We'll get to Dallas and New Orleans here in a minute. Um, the NBA, the Bulls beat the Knicks 119-115, the Raptors 97, the Bucks 93, the Grizzlies 155, the Timberwolves 79. Oh my God, that's that's like a good high school team. That was an NBA record, Mac. A new yeah. NBA record was set. Holy God, what were, where were the Timberwolves for that game? That's crazy. The Suns 114, Detroit 103. Now this has happened with an we'll 18 in a row for Phoenix. 18 yes. in a row. Yes, that's a little hot. Phoenix is going to be remembered when all said and done at the end of the season for having maybe the longest win streak, maybe if they keep it going in NBA history, but didn't win the NBA championship. Well, we'll see, Jack. <laughs> we'll see. The Knicks, as they have done multiple times this year, we'll talk more with it with Keith as he comes on talking about. They came back from 21 points in the first half. Uh, they even took the lead for a minute, but they lose in the end and a close Who game. Who cares, Mac? You come back. They didn't really come back. They were down 18 points at the end of one period, Mac, and they got in the hole. The game was there for them to win. Knicks have problems. You know, I looked at the mm. box score. Again, I double-checked it this morning because when you watch the games, you're not so aware of the exact minutes they play all the stats, but we were aware this Kemba Walker didn't even play, and he was supposed to be the player to take the Knicks to the next level, and he's not even playing, Mac. Yeah, there's talks about a trade with Kemba in the, in the works, Jack. I read something about that today. Randall was the highest scorer, 30 points, 12 rebounds. It looked like him and Fournier kind of went at it a little bit uh, before the half. And, you know, Jack, their, their chemistry on their first team – 
doesn't seem to be there this year. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because of the addition to Fournier and Walker and maybe too many people coming in. I don't know. But they sure don't have the chemistry they had last I'm going to tell you, I just let me detour slightly to Michael Jordan because Kemba Walker played for the Charlotte Hornets. He was a star with Charlotte, but Michael Jordan let him become a free agent. Michael Jordan is thought of as the basketball player, but I'm talking about Michael Jordan, the same one, the owner of the Charlotte Bobcats. And people wondered how he could let Kemba Walker walk, not sign him in free agency, not give him a strong enough offer to make him stay, but but he kind of saw something in Kemba Walker. Pretty good player, but not really the star. He hasn't fit into this rotation. And, Mac, you know, we could point to the Knicks yesterday, what went wrong. I mean, the Chicago Bulls are a much improved team. They've had a bit of a roster overhaul. They have a good coach there, Billy Donovan. I mean, they're on the way back. And you could argue that they're a better team than the Knicks right now. No, you could. You definitely could argue that. They're definitely solid, I will tell you that. That's a solid team. Don't be competing uh, to get to be in those playoffs. In fact, they'll be in the playoffs this year. I have no doubt about it. Well, getting Vucevic from Orlando, you know, was a big one last year. I mean, definitely. that helped. And getting Ball, you know. Yeah. You know, Alonzo Ball. I mean, uh, you know, kind of moves like that, they kind of add up. I definitely agree with that. Uh, in the NHL, the Avalanche. Beats the Canadians four to one. Tampa Bay beats the Blues four to two. Panthers over the Sabres seven to four. Chicago beats Washington four to three. Boston two. The Predators zero. The Wild beat the uh, Devils five zip. The Stars beat the Blue Jackets three to two. And the New York Islanders lose again, Jack, to the Sharks two to one. There is a lot of problems with the Islanders this year. I mean, well, they, they lost in overtime. They just can't score. Lot. I mean, Matthew Borzell at least, you know, scored yesterday. Maybe they got him going a little bit because he's, you know, their main guy. But the Islanders are struggling. At what point, Mac, do we say it's not too early anymore? At what yeah. point? I mean, uh, you know, you any team that makes the playoffs could go on a run to the Stanley Cup. We know that. But at what point, you know, do you really start getting alarmed, let alone concerned? Yeah, I, I'd be alarmed right now if I was an, uh, an Islander. I'll tell you that right now. I don't care how early it is. When you're losing, what, eight, nine games in a row, there's a big problem there. Um, so we've talked about the two fee- f- two-faced Greedy trader Brian Kelly bailing out of Notre Dame, right, before the season ended. But we really haven't talked about Lincoln Riley, Jack, leaving Oklahoma for USC. Sources say the reason, the major reason he left for USC is he doesn't want to go and, and be in the SEC conference, Jack. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but it does make sense to me. The SEC is no joke, and Oklahoma – Playing in SEC, the way they're drafting or recruiting, I should say, right now, is not really comparable. And I think Oklahoma goes to the SEC. They're going to get killed at least for the first few years over there. Um, They may end up in the East or the West. Even if they end up in the East and Alabama moves out of the division, or the West, sorry, and Alabama moves to the East, that's still a cutthroat league, man. I, I've heard, I've read where they said they'll cut your neck and drink your blood in the SEC, and I believe that. Mac, I mean, there might be some truth to that. I don't know. But what you don't consider is these guys and their families have lives. 
if you have a choice between, and you're living in Oklahoma and his family has a chance to live in California, it might be as simple as that, that they just want to move to California. They want a change of environment. I mean, that's all, that might be all there is to it. I mean, these decisions are made by Lincoln Riley alone. I mean, I don't know his status, his marital status, whether he's married, has a family, and where he's from, where he wants to live. But there's a difference sometimes. I mean, how let take Pat Riley when he left the Knicks. He went to become basically in charge of operations for the Miami Heat. Think of it. He was moving from New York. He lived in Westchester when he was here to go to Miami. That's a lifestyle change. In all due respect to other places like Oklahoma, had Pat Riley been offered the same job to be in charge of operations for the Oklahoma City Thunder to live in Oklahoma, which is a beautiful place to live, it doesn't have the same climate as Miami, the same warm climate. That we could say safely. They offered him the same position around Nebraska, for argument's sake. You know, there's a big difference involved. It's lifestyle where you go to even LeBron James going to the Lakers, the, you know, the chance to live in L.A. So I think that has a big bearing in it. Lincoln Riley could talk all he wants about conferences, this and that. But I think there's more to it at the end of the day. Oh, I imagine everything's taken into to consideration when you make any kind of move, Jack. But Oklahoma, who was king of the hill in their division, basically – them in Texas, you go out to, to the West Coast, the PAC League, which is a lot weaker than the SEC, a lot weaker than the SEC conference. I mean, you have a chance to go 9, 10 wins without really recruiting heavy, especially for USC. So it is a story. Listen, there's no doubt about it. USC's history is that of a winning organization or a winning school, and it is pretty high profile. But to really compete and to to, to get the recruits you want. SEC is where it's at. So I think I, I agree with you partially. I think there's a lot to that decision, but not playing the SEC is. You know what I think recruiting comes down to this Mac, the elite high school players, they already have an eye on the NFL. That's why Alabama is so successful. Nick Saban can sit down with them and show them a chart of all the players that were drafted from Alabama who went to the NFL and it's a major influence. If you take a star player in the NFL, you know, these high school players are seeing, you know, where he went to school. And believe me, that has a bearing on the decision. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that at all. Um, so we all know Brett Musburger. Some of us older guys know him from the NFL Today show, right, where he – they're really – CBS was the ones that started that pregame football show where they had Herb Cross. I think Phyllis George was part of that team. Jimmy the Greek. That was way back in the, what, early 80s, I think, Jack? Maybe Herb Cross from Philadelphia. Right. You know? yeah. right. I think that was late 70s, early 80s is when they started it and kind of led to all these pregame shows. Well, now he's the announcer for the Las Vegas Raiders. And he chimed in about... about has been for a while. Yes. He's changed... He's changed chimed in on John Gruden. He says, and, and this is what he's saying, um, that his career ended because of a paid assassin, Jack. And, and check this out. And this is from Professional Talk, their, their, their column. There was a second lawsuit between 
Dan Snyder and the former GM, which means a lot of people on the outside had access to those emails because of that lawsuit and discovery. So first, all this information is dumped into the Wall Street Journal. This is where it first came out, which has nothing to do with sports, of course, really. I mean, they do, but they don't. And then the rest was rolled into the New York Times. So what he's thinking is that this was a professional hit job that someone, because we know there's going to be more in them emails that hasn't been released and they're fighting it, that this was just all about John Gruden by somebody who didn't like or was out to get John Gruden. And, of course, John Gruden is suing the NFL right now. So, Jack, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that somebody, this could be personal? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I would think Gruden's at times not the most likable guy. He made remarks. He didn't make them publicly. So they caught his emails. They're private emails. They're distasteful. They, you know, that he made. But those remarks are made all the time. Mac, we've hung around with people in our lifetime who've made remarks that are distasteful from time to time. Okay? It's just what it is. So you get the printed word and the printed word is there and you know it's more of the cancel culture you know i mean it disgusts me to talk about it i've never been the biggest john gruden fan and i didn't like the things that he said it turned me off but let him deal with his players okay who would be offended by those remarks okay Let's see what it's not like he went on a show and he started ranting and raving and saying all these negative things. It was just an exchange of emails. So, I mean, there's this whole cancel culture. I mean, I'm 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 quite frankly like sick of it. I hear you. I hear you. You can't say or joke or or even uh, have a little fun or and you got to watch every word you say. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Act. They're gonna pick up a past episode. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I've already apologized. I have no idea what I said. I must have said something offensive in the past episode, not realizing it. Okay. Yes. I must have said it. I have I don't have a clue what it would be, believe me. But someone maybe a few years from now with nothing to do with their time is going to replay all the Mac and Jack shows because they have nothing better to do but watch replays with the old Mac and Jack shows. <laughs> They got no darn life, you know. So they're going to replay all our shows, and they're going to stop. And they're going to see Jack said something that could have been offensive. They're going to go with it. They're going to report it. And just when we're hitting the big time, Mac, I'm going to get canceled. Yes, yes. I'll tell you, at my age, I don't give a damn. I would have had my (laughs) time. The the heck with them. That's yes. the words, but I held back. Well, that's that's already that's probably already in somebody's uh, download right now. Just that statement alone. So you might be setting me up, Mac. For all I know, I mean, uh, I man, trust me, trust me. I you might be that. looking to get a new partner. You might put it out there for someone else. I mean, I've I don't known, know. I, I've been known to say off-color things in that way. So anyway, Jack. Antonio Brown's in the news again. He suspended three games because he tried to. Uh, I guess pass off uh, ID uh, immunization test card or somebody else's. How come Antonio Brown? I mean, he's been, he's been in trouble for assault. He's impersonating people now. He's pat. What? Listen, what is wrong with this man? He can never leave well enough alone, right? He can never just enjoy being on a winning team 
and and enjoy going to a Super Bowl and to do what just to stay out of trouble. But he always is doing something shady, Jack. I don't care if he lives with Tom Brady or who he lives with. He reminds me of the mischievous kid. Like when I taught, once a kid tried to forge a pass, a hall pass and sign my name, but the kid got caught. They said, I'm sure Mr. Hirsch knows how to spell his last name correctly because <laughs> yeah. my last name was spelled wrong. So the kid yeah. got caught, you know, on that. And, you know, he's like the mischievous kid to get away with it. You know what? You could debate a little bit. He got a three-game suspension. That's a stiff suspension. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. And Aaron Rodgers didn't get suspended because supposedly Aaron Rodgers, all his teammates and the Packer organization knew Aaron Rodgers' status, at least. At least they knew his status. You know, the league didn't, but Aaron, but the Packers and players did. But Antonio Brown supposedly tried to fake it all together and fool everyone. You know what I find interesting? There's a 17-game schedule, Mac, and think of the percentage of games that he's being suspended and prorate that compared to the NBA that suspends a guy for two, three games you know, they suspend the guy like Isaiah Stewart, the guy who fought LeBron James. The guy was totally out of control. LeBron was wrong, point blank. But Isaiah Stewart of the Pistons, he went crazy berserk. He put people at risk. Unacceptable, his conduct, no matter what. So he was given a three-game suspension out of an 82-game schedule. Antonio Brown is given a three-game suspension out of a 17-game schedule. So to prorated Antonio Brown's suspension was five times worse, meaning had the NBA now like prorated it again to Isaiah Stewart, that should have been a 15-game suspension. That would have been the equivalent of what Antonio Brown did. So the NFL, I mean, they don't mess around as far as games played because even to suspend a guy for one game in the NFL hurts. Three-game hmm. suspension is stiff. Antonio Brown is paying the price, and when the three games are done, he'll be able to come back for the late season run in the playoffs. So that's maybe why he accepted the suspension now instead of appealing it. Let me ask you a question, Jack, all right? Aaron Rodgers, you said he got suspended for one game. He wasn't trying to, to you know, fake his his thing. He, he, he said he misspoke, but he lied, or whatever, however you want to put it, that he wasn't vaccinated. But Antonio Brown actually tried Did to... he get suspended for a game, Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, remember Love, Love played? Or was he hurt that... I'm not game? sure. I think I think that was decided on. He was I don't think game. he got suspended for a game. He got fined, from what I yeah, remember. Yeah, but, but I remember Love played. So, however however you want to look right. at it, he missed the game, right? right? Antonio Brown tried to pass it off as the truth, and he actually had the card. So, I understand why his was a little bit more... You know, the fine was a little bit more stiff for whether it's suspension of games or whatever. But do you think it has something to do that Tampa Bay has a really good team even without him? Suppose he was on a team without him would have destroyed them. Do you think the NFL would have took that that strong a stance? I do, except maybe not for quarterbacks. If he was a star quarterback, 
I think the NFL maybe would have been a little more lenient. Let's say it was a Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. Someone, you, you know, part of Antonio Brown's problem is his past. Right. Very flamboyant. He's made a lot of mistakes. So the NFL maybe felt a need to really give it to him, you know, hard, you know, because they don't want any more of this. Right. But if it's someone who's been really a great citizen all along, like a Patrick Mahomes, quiet, soft-spoken, and the same thing happened with him, it wouldn't have been three games. I think I it would have been so. one game, two games at the most, but not three games. Maybe not even one game, perhaps. I think they would have had to do. I think they would have had to do one game in this circumstance. Well, one game, but not three games no, on the Patrick Mahomes. Someone with a great image. Let's say it was someone very also quiet, soft-spoken when Eli Manning played. No, guys like that don't get hit with the hardest suspension. The guys who've had the troubled past, who you who you sometimes have to deal with their issues. And the NFL probably they don't want more Antonio Brown drama. And you and you could say that Patrick Mahomes. And, and he's easy to suspend Antonio Brown yeah. because of his past. He's not going to get much sympathy. And you could say Patrick Mahomes probably because the way he is would never try to do something like that either. So I just gave him as an example as a star quarterback. Yeah, well, I'm Patrick, saying any, any, and I and I complimented Patrick any, Mahomes, someone who has a great image, anybody, someone who always well, tries to do I'm the right saying, thing. Yeah, anybody like that, Jack. You brought up Patrick. Yeah, Mahomes. but I think anybody like that who does play the game right and is is, is classy and and not you know a maverick. I think they would be a little bit more. Uh, gentle with and and probably wouldn't like I said probably wouldn't off, even off, off it's one of the big stars of the league they're reluctant look at the NBA with LeBron James I mean there have been opportunities to suspend them and in the NBA I mean I'll give LeBron James a fine like a fifteen thousand dollar fine I mean come on I mean LeBron James what does he have I mean billion dollars so, or whatever so so let's get let's get to the last night's game a little bit before byron gets in there right dallas beats the saints 27 to 17 that goes 36 for 40 very great percentage for 238 yards one td one interception pollard runs for 71 yards and seven carries gallup makes a great touchdown catch over the top of the defender um you know and and this is the last year. I want to talk a little bit about Gallup because when I look at the Dallas Cowboys, they talk about Cooper and they talk about their new star, Lamb. Gallup is a threat, Jack. And this is the last year of his contract. And they're going to, they don't have, I don't think they have enough money to sign him again. And that's, that's the wide receiver I hate going up against when my team goes up against him because he always makes that one big play and he's consistent. And I think he's good as Lamb. I think he's almost as good as Cooper. But Dallas can't afford to keep him off. So Gallup makes a huge play. And uh, Taysom Hill goes 19, I think, for 41, if I'm reading it right. 264 yards, two TZ, and four interceptions. Runs for 111 yards. He doesn't have his tight ends. We don't know who the wide receivers on the Saints are anymore. Kamara really didn't play, or he didn't play. The offensive tackles are gone. New Orleans is in a lot of trouble, Jack. A lot of trouble. New Orleans is in a lot of trouble, but one quick word with Gallup with the uh, Dallas Cowboy receiving core uh, for next year. I'm not that sure Mari Cooper is going to be back. He's a great talent, obviously. He's an elite receiver. 
but he doesn't like to play when he's hurt. He misses games. I mean, he doesn't tough it out. And then with the COVID situation and everything, I, you know, and, and he drew Jerry Jones' ire. So I can see Dallas conceivably moving on from him next year, not mm-hmm. wanting to make the investment in Cooper. You know, you want to, you know, Michael Irvin was criticizing Cooper. I thought Cooper already signed the contract yet. What are you talking about? He's already signed. Yeah, but there are ways teams, especially certain teams would want to receive like Amari Cooper who really need that firepower that they're going to want to take a chance on someone like him where some type of deal could maybe be worked out for another team to take the contract. I don't think the Cowboys would get much draft capital, but at least, you know, it kind of relieves them, you know, gives them more space under the cap. To do things, so I, 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 but that, but that's that's for next year. As far as the Saints go, wow, five losses in a row. The worst spell under Sean Payton since he's been the Saint coach in a Super Bowl winning coach. And I, I felt the Saints window was closing this year, but maybe they'd have enough left to sneak into the playoffs and then get eliminated quickly. Uh, you know, hypothetically, they're still alive. Look. They're five and seven. Uh, they have 10 days off till the next game. And the next game is against the Jets. I hate to say it, but that's a winnable game for the Saints. So maybe, you know, you win your next game, you get back on track. You know, when anything's possible there. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't they're, not, they're not out of the race. Just, no, they're definitely, no, they're definitely not but out of know, the race. But yesterday was an example of the way the NFL is changing and its attitude towards quarterbacks. I mean... We grew up back in an era where coaches didn't want their quarterbacks to run. They wanted them to be in the pocket. They were scared their quarterbacks would get hurt. And with good reason, because the quarterbacks didn't have the protection that today's quarterbacks have. We're living in an era now where they're designing running plays for quarterbacks, where quarterbacks are encouraged to run if they feel they can take off a big play. And that's why the Saints signed Taysom Hill to a contract because, you know, he plays multi-positions. Quarterback's always a possibility where he's a major threat to run with the ball, as he showed yesterday. But four interceptions, one of them for pick six, he's not the answered quarterback. That's probably why they encourage him to run because he's not the best thrower. And, Jack, I don't necessarily agree that the NFL today encourages run, quarterbacks to run with the ball. Certain quarterbacks they do. But they're not encouraging Tom Brady. They're not encouraging a lot of quarterbacks of the major quarterbacks to run. The ones that can't run, they obviously don't. Tom Brady wouldn't encourage to run. I don't think I don't Patrick think they want. Mahomes. You know, well, let me finish, Jack. I don't think they want Patrick Mahomes running with the ball. I don't really think that they they would rather if uh, if uh, even if Jackson could throw the ball better from the pocket. I think they would rather him throw the ball there. Run with the ball. Oh, no, no, no. Look. They rather quarterback always throw the ball. Mac, don't right. misunderstand me. But quarterbacks in this day and age, running quarterbacks can will their team to victory with their legs. If you force them to stay in the pocket, they're not going to be as effective. Like take Justin Fields, young quarterback to Chicago Bears. 
you try to turn him strictly into a pocket quarterback, he's not going to succeed. You allow him to use his legs, roll out, run when he has to. He's going to be effective. That's well, just Jack, the way it is. Backstage right now, we got Byron Williams who's been sitting there patiently. Let's bring him up and talk a little bit about the NFL with Byron. How you doing today, Byron? Hey, good oh. morning. Yes, yes. So how you feeling today, Byron? Uh, you got your coffee? You ready to rock? Ready to rock. I got okay. to go to a big uh, event at a college, speak to some kids this morning. So beautiful. Trying beautiful. to like stir it up a little bit. Always, always, <laughs> always going somewhere doing something, Byron. Let's let's talk. Me and Jack were talking a little bit about Dallas and the Saints uh, last night. The Saints didn't have any of their players out there, really. I mean, you you looked at the tight ends were down. The wide receivers, we didn't know the names to. Kamara's not playing. Their offensive tackles are out. I mean, the Saints are a mess right now. I don't I don't know if they can come back this year. You know, everybody says that Peyton's a great coach, and he is. He's a very good coach. Uh, they didn't give the same excuse to uh, Belichick last year when all his defenders were out, and, and he had no weapons. But, you know, that's Belichick had a bad season. They're, they're, they're you know, they didn't say how great a coach I maybe skip. It's just it's, it's funny to me how people – you know, observe certain things. But anyway, Dallas played well. Uh, they probably, you know, with them four interceptions and two touchdowns, uh, four four interceptions against and one touchdown against the Saints, they probably could have beat them a lot more. And it looked like they took their foot off the gas at the end, especially on that last touchdown run. It didn't even look like they went after him. So was this the, day, the game Dallas needed to get back on track again? Yeah, no doubt. Um it was it was a it was a game that they definitely needed. They was you know, people started like turning their nose up and saying, Oh, the Cowboys, the Cowboys, but they went down there and took care of business and they had to win that game. And um and because Washington is, is, is as everybody knows, is playing good football right now. But but definitely they did to win this game and you know, some things came along that that, that, that I saw was still that still need to uh look at. But their defense is still, you know, their defense came and played a little bit better this game uh, versus the last two games. But definitely they um, they look better. Uh, got a couple of players healthy. But Zeke, Zeke is not not that that healthy, you know, the running back. You know, you, you need two good running backs, and they, they have used that well. It's been, very, been a formula for them. But definitely I still consider the play calling a little bit. This might hurt them when they get that ready to win some 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 significant games at the end of the season. I think you know not not uh you know throwing the ball in the last five within the last five minutes was like crazy, you know. But they should have ran the ball, you know, used some time off the clock, and 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 then just uh they let they let they they let their hat down on the last touchdown that the Saints got as well. So there's still some things I think that Dallas need to focus on. You know, because of COVID restrictions, the Cowboy coach Mike McCarthy wasn't on the sideline. How involved do you think he was in the game plan? Uh, does it hamper Dan Quinn on the sideline? Can he coach the way he exactly wants to coach? Does he have to do what Mike McCarthy says? No, no doubt. No, he coached the way he's not on the coach. He's all, you know. Uh, excited about the players getting uh, making big plays on the field. I mean, he got a good relationship with the, with the players. I saw what C.D. Lamb said. He personally came up and talked to him about some things this week, and you know, and that that's what he that's what he does. Mike Mike way of coaching is a little bit different, a little bit laid back. But I thought that's what they needed too. They needed a little bit of fire, a little bit more excitement on the sideline. 
and you started last night during the game. So, but Mike been involved all week. I mean, he been involved with the media. Uh, he been talking to the uh, all the media uh, by telephone. Uh, uh, you know, so he been really uh, just keeping informed. He been communicating with all the players too. I saw that he's communicating with the players because they didn't know where Murray Cooper was gonna be uh, able to play as well. So he 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 was able to answer the questions and things like that all over the media with the players. So he was very in tune. I know that he uh, he talked to the, to all the coaches that right before they talked about he he had coached all, uh, talked to all the coaches before the game. So he was very involved. And um, Mike is just so laid back, though. Mike McCarthy is just laid back. But uh, Dan Quayle brought a little bit of energy. Um, they were saying, too, that he was running the stands, getting in shape before the game. You know, he's 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 involved, moving around, uh, going up to all the players in the locker room, talking to them as well. So they had a little different type of momentum going into that game last night with Dan Quayle. Mac and myself were talking about the Dallas Cowboy receivers before you came on. Mm-hmm. And I stated that I think the Cowboys has a good chance they're going to move on from Amari Cooper next year, as talented as he is and as elite a receiver as he is. It always seems like he's looking for an excuse not to play. If he has like a toenail that bothers him, he might sit out. You know, I'm just joking with that, of course. But yeah. it's been a bit of a problem. Michael Irvin starts criticizing you as a Dallas receiver. And Jerry Jones hasn't been that happy with Amari Cooper, it seems, as well. Yeah, and, then you know, he'll take a couple plays off. You know, last night you saw that. You know, he made the big – came in and made a big catch, and then next thing you know, he's still on the sideline. I think a receiver that want to be a part of the team, you can't have that kind of attitude, you know. So, little things like that, I think that, you know, he's a good receiver, but I think he could be better. He could be – he could be a leader. He's not a leader. He's not really in other receivers' face saying, you know, hey, we need to do this. And, you know, they go, you know, walk off the field and be by themselves. And that's not being a team player. So things like that is, is you know, just looking from the stands or looking from the looking from, from TV, looking at the game, that's my that's my goal. I want a receiver that's, that's in tune, that's patting each other on the back and stuff like that, getting more excited. He's more laid back. And um, seems like he just take take a couple plays off, and that's not that's not what this team is. is. I, I think this game is is, is for uh, players that's motivated and stimulate each other and, and 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 support each other. So you know he don't get excited like like I think you know the team need. He need to be a leader. He's been in the league long enough now. He should be the league leader. And you know Mike Irvin make a good point. Well, well, Byron, that came from. The reason why I had that discussion was, of course, Cooper signed a contract. I think oh, it's yeah. beginning the beginning of this year, and Gallup doesn't have a contract after this year. So we're wondering what they're going to do there. Gallup is a very good receiver, maybe a lot. Well, I think very underrated, but Cooper's under contract. So you got Lamb and you got Cooper signed. What's going to happen when Gallup comes up? It's going to be very interesting to see what the Cowboys do. So let's get let's get to the playoffs themselves, Byron. There's a lot of teams that are still involved. I think I heard that this was the most teams that were still alive for the playoffs in NFL history. Now look at the AFC East real quick. And of course, Buffalo and 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 the Pats right now are a percentage point is kind of separating them. You got Miami running right now. I mean, they're they're catching they're catching a little fire. So the only team right now in that league, in that conference, that probably, well, is not going to make the playoffs, let's be honest, is the New York Jets. And 
you've been on teams that were rebuilding and losing teams before. And when you get to this time of the season, Jets are, what, three and eight, I think it is. So, you know. Yeah. So what what is a player and what is a locker room? You've been through – you've probably been in both positions. One in the rebuilding one when you know, you know, they're trying to find their mojo, trying to get their culture right. And the other one where you were just in a losing season and you knew you weren't going anywhere and they weren't rebuilding at all. So being in that type of locker room, what do you think – what were you thinking? What do you think them players are thinking right now in a Jets locker room? I mean, do they – do they want to finish off strong, get near 500? Is that a goal? Is the is the goal just to continue to build and get better? Is their goal to uh, uh, is it to pack it in and the season's over? I mean, what kind of emotions are going in the locker room right now? Well, I've never been a part of never been a part of a team that's 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 throwing in the towel, regardless of of, of you have to play, you getting paid to play, you know, you owe the fans, you owe the you know the organization, so. You need to go in with a, with a mindset that we are here to try to improve, improve upon. You need to be a part of the future of the, of the – um, that's probably at least 10 players on the team that's probably – they know that they don't want back on this team. And so um, you need to need not be one of those people. You need to be in, in the – I think you need to be in a part of the, the plan of action that you want to be a part of the future – and have a job because it, it's no yeah. guarantee that another team going to want you to play for them. So if you're already on this team, you need to go in there and consistently play well, you know, and, and, and get your stats and, and be a part of, of a, a rebuild team. And and I think, you know, you know the coach is going to be there because they all new coaches. So you need to go in as a player to understand that this is a, this is your future. This is this is what you come to do, to play football, whether you – because there's no guarantee that another team going to pick you up. So you have to go have that mindset that, hey, every play and everything that I do is very important to be a part of this team, whether you're rebelling or what you think you're not going to be a part of. So you, you got to have that mindset as a player because every player is one one player away from being unemployed. And this game is, you know, is that Byron, I think you hit it perfectly. I think the majority of players on the Jets are thinking of their employment next year. They're not so much thinking of winning. They're three. They want to win. I mean, that's camaraderie, of course. I understand that. But I think unlike a, content, a team contending for a Super Bowl title, they're thinking of jobs, those guys. They want to press over these games. If they're not going to be with the Jets, they want to catch on with another team. So I think that's their motivation. But football is a team game. Players do have to work together. It's not like baseball that's a selfish game where you could have maybe no teamwork, but every batter wants to get a hit. Every fielder wants to catch the ball. I think all the pieces have to work together in football, you know, to really be successful. But but I think it's the employment opportunities going forward that motivate guys on teams like the Jets that are three and eight. Absolutely. And one, one of the things, too, the Jets players need to understand that they haven't beat the Eagles since 1973. I mean, the Eagles have came in and beat the Jets, third, what, 11 to 13 games in a row. They don't play them all the time. But my point is, now you want you got something to play for. You got to be able Byron, to- they don't care. They haven't been born on none of those players on I the team they last that. beat them. You think they care about but, stuff or oh, we haven't beaten the Eagles? And who the heck are the Philadelphia Eagles? But, but, they but, don't care about that. That's one of the things these players got to start understanding. If, if if there's a history and you wanna you wanna rewrite history, you got to go and win games. Rewrite history? I didn't even know that. 
Byron haven't been the Eagles uh, since 73. Who's his Chaos. I still don't them. care, and I didn't know that. They done played them 11 times. I just heard, I just heard that, so I just wanted to throw that in on you. Hey, Byron, uh, Byron, um, Byron, I'm, I'm Byron, sure they get Byron, Byron, don't listen to Jack, because if you're part of that organization, you're part of its history, you're part of its future, you'll know that. The Jet players know that, and so do the coaches, and the Jets management will remind them of that. Whether it makes them win or not, I don't know, but they do know that. So yeah. Jack, is just, Jack is just being a mean guy today. Um, in the West, let's look like at the There's no way. <laughs> I the Eagles. The Eagles are what five and seven? Who cares? I mean, All right, the, so Eagles, the Eagles. The Eagles are really close to the playoffs. I mean, I, you know, I just think they're, they're, they're having a bad game. And hey. then, then the let me, let me tell you what's motivation, Byron. Last week was motivation for the Jets. They're playing the Texans, and you don't want to be the worst team in the league. So that's motivation. You put some fear. You're going to be considered the worst team in the NFL if you lose. That motivates guys, I think, not to be the worst. You talk about being – teams talk about being the best, but there's fear in being the worst. So I think that motivates. Let's push on, guys. I, I, I want to say, say this. Go I want to say this. When I was a rookie with the Giants, we went three twelve and one. That that wasn't a good feeling. I mean, yeah. you know, you 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 have to you have, you don't want to be on a losing team, huh? regardless. If you're playing football, you really want to be able to turn that turn that around. You really do. So in the West, Denver looks real solid. Now Denver's interesting to me, guys, because I'm gonna tell you why. Nobody thinks that Denver can win the Super Bowl. But they can run the ball. Their quarterback manages the game well. And they got a good, solid defense. And a lot of teams have won Super Bowls just with that. They don't. They didn't have Aaron Rodgers or, 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 you know, Brett Favre throwing the ball 100 yards. A lot of teams have won with just a good, solid team. Are we underestimating Denver this year? We've talked about Kansas City. We've talked about the Chargers. We've even talked about the Raiders. But everybody's like, well, Denver's okay. Listen, an okay, solid team can win the Super Bowl, guys. So what do you think about Denver, Byron? Well, they play Sunday night against the Chiefs, right? And so yeah. they six and five, they defense, and they run the game. So really, if they can go and go and play well against Kansas City, they're going to be considered, you know, they're six and five. So they're in a good position. I mean, that whole AFC West, uh, it's – it's right now just balling up. Everybody's right there together. So I just think they're in a good position right now to go and prove themselves and play consistent. They, they've they been winning games on the road. So uh, this is a great possibility. I like Denver. Denver is one of those teams that really got some good young players. Everybody's healthy now. Yeah, they, they, I think they got their chemistry going. They don't make a whole lot of mistakes. Yeah, and I think exactly. I think Denver, Denver's a good team to, to watch. Definitely. You know, it's funny, Byron, uh, Mac. A few weeks ago when Denver traded Von Miller to the L.A. Rams, you know, that indicates they were throwing the towel in on the season. I mean, that doesn't send good vibes in the locker room. You send your star player, one of your most iconic players in franchise history, you trade him away when he still has a lot left in the tank. But no, no one no. told the Broncos they weren't allowed to still win. Yeah, no, they traded him to get more players in for next year. That was a business move. They, they well, they got it. draft choices, but the point is, what does it say to the rest of the team for this season? The guys playing this year don't give a darn about draft choices next year. The organization does. The coaching staff might be thinking about it. 
But the guys who are playing, they couldn't care less about the draft choices next year. They want to win now, and you're losing your leader in Von Miller. That I'm you know, that sends a, a, a not a good message. I'm not I'm saying they that. shouldn't have made the deal. I understand that, but they got some good linebackers too that need to play, and so they they moved them up. They gave them a lot of confidence too that they're part of the future. So I think what they did was great. I think that that brought a little bit more. That's why Denver defense played just playing better since Von Miller left. They they don't miss just Von Miller. Just and so, I mean, he was hurt all last year. They don't miss him. But what Von Miller did was a was a Hall of Fame career at, at Denver. But he. They, you like I said, you're as good as your last place. So they have to let Von Miller move on for the best interest of the team. And right now, this team is playing great without Von Miller they, because he didn't play last year. Just gonna say that, Byron. They're playing better without him right now. So if you look at the the other team I want to look at AFC is the Bengals. The Bengals came on a little bit, fell off, come right back. They're back in the mix again. And they're very interesting to me in a couple of ways, Byron, right? They got a great running back, a good running game with Mixon. And Burroughs is throwing the ball really well with some good, good, good talent at receivers. And their defense is salad, a solid and salad too, depending on what you like to eat. But anyway, if you think about it, that's a bad matchup for a lot of teams, right? Because offensively, they're strong. Defensive, they're solid. They put a hurting on Baltimore. They put a hurting on Pittsburgh in their own division. They, I mean, they looked like the real deal, and nobody's really talking about the Bengals either. So there's two teams that nobody's really talking about. We're talking about the Ravens. We're talking about the Bills. We're talking about the Patriots. All, all you know, the Chiefs. Oh, definitely, we should be. But nobody's talking about the Broncos, and nobody's really talking about the Bengals, Byron. You think the Absolutely. Bengals? Absolutely. The, the Bengals, the Bengals going to be, they going to be in the playoffs, I think. I mean, just the way they playing. They, 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 got, they got their defense playing better. And then they play the Chargers this week, right? The Chargers right. defense is almost in last place. So you you know they're gonna put up 35 points, 30 points this week. And 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 you and if you ain't putting up enough points to beat the Bengals, then you ain't gonna beat them because they just got they solid all around. They 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 young players across the board on offense. And like you said, uh Burris is you know, he's lights out, he's a great quarterback. And he got something to prove against Justin Herbert this week. So I think that's going to be a good matchup. They're in the same draft class. And so I think this is going to be a good game for the for the biggest to, to, to remind people that, hey, you got to consider us to be in, this, to be in the playoffs. I agree. I agree. I think there's something. Let's I'm going to tell you, talk about those young quarterbacks in that draft. And it's pure silliness where some people are questioning, well, should the Bengals have taken Burroughs or Justin Herbert first in the NFL draft? Burroughs was a consensus pick. I mean, I hate this revisionist thinking. It, it's dumb. They could have they could have mentioned Tua because he had injury concerns. If he didn't have injury concerns, maybe he goes number one. And by the way, Tua's been improving, quietly improving a little bit at a time. So I just want to say, like I said, Tua is going to get there. He is going to be on that level. But he's coming along like a rookie. Burroughs and Herbert came along like sensations. They took the league by storm. But, you know, in general, a rookie quarterback gets better little by little. And even have a Peyton Manning little by little in the beginning. Absolutely. I agree with you. And, then, and Jack, I, this is what I want you to practice on this week. I want you to practice on the wall of wiggle. You know, when you make a touchdown, the receiver, no. 
I want you to practice want, on that because you need a dance. You need to, you need to come up let, with some type of dance. You see, the, the difference between me and Mac is this. If I was in the, a coach of one of the units, okay, the, the offensive unit, I would be practicing the end zone dances. I would be uh, allocating time. I'd have them in the room. I would be joining in with my suggestions. Mac feels it's total nonsense that they shouldn't be celebrating. I'll admit I do agree with Mac on one point. If a team is down by, you know, they're down four touchdowns, 28 points with three minutes to go, and they score a touchdown and they cut it to 21 points with three minutes to go. Yeah. And the guy spikes it and he's starting to do a dance in the end zone. I have a hard time tolerating that. Yeah, I think you have nothing to celebrate when you're down four touchdowns. But I mean, guys do it. Guys do it still. Yeah. Huh? Guys still do it. I mean, they'll celebrate, you know, part of the game where I just put the darn ball down. You know, in the old days, remember, they used to spike the ball. They would just bang it down hard, you know, when they scored. So, but now it's a whole big thing, you know. They're going to have it on the ESPYs if they haven't already. I mean, who has the best end zone celebration? I think you and the I players need love to, it. We need to be a judge of that, you and I. Sister. Yeah, 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 the yeah, three of us. We need to judge that. Yeah, yeah. That I'm Mac won't have patience. He just want to get out of there. Mac likes old Mac, school football. Mac, let you hear that. Block your tackle. I like the razzmatazz. See, Mac you, doesn't you, like you, any of that. I heard that. So, Mac, you got to let your hair down every night. Yeah. Get out there and yeah. dance with it, you know. Well, I, I dance. I just don't celebrate. I will say that. I, I just don't celebrate. Jack, let me talk. I, I do dance sometimes, but I just <laughs> don't dance when I do a job that I'm supposed to be doing. Like if I serve a bunch of people in a short amount of time, I'm not taking my chef's knife and dancing around the room. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's the only difference, Byron, if you know what I'm saying. I hear you. I hear yes. you. He's yes. serious. He, that one thing about, one thing about it, no, Jack, he's, he's focused. He's a focused and busy man. I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I so, think Mac wants to move on. I got some stuff to say, but I could tell when he wants to move well, on. Well, we already went down a lot of side roads that had nothing to do with today's NFL, but that's okay. I mean, it was fun anyway. So, uh, Byron, one more question for you. You know, in the beginning of the year, I thought Seattle was not going to be anywhere near first place. They were in last. There was rumblings about, uh, you know, about Wilson leaving, wanting to get out of here. Do you think after this season, Wilson comes available to other teams? I think I think so. I think they're gonna have to dismantle the whole team. They're gonna have to re reboot it, uh, revise it. Um, maybe the coaches, the coaching staff might have to, you know, might be looked at as well. So I, I think Russell Wilson is not, you know, he, he don't look the same. I mean, they don't have the same momentum. You know, if you got DK Metcalf on your team and you're throwing the ball to him in the fourth quarter, something's wrong with that pitcher. I don't know what's wrong. It's just a whole different layout when you watch that, watch them play now, and they don't play with uh, the desire to win games, and so it, it it's really sad to see them go down like the way they went down, and and not deciding about playing the game of football. You still got to, uh, you know, make sure that you're doing your job. You know, you're there to win games, and they're not, you know, the defense is playing. They're not even trying to tackle people. I mean, it's a totally looking concept. On, on looking at looking at the Seahawks, it don't it don't make sense to me. Byron, I think to me at least, maybe I'm wrong. Russell Wilson is a bit past his prime, and I think he. I agree with you. He is going to become available, even though you never know. 
I, you know, a new coach might come in if Pete Carroll steps down and warn Russell Wilson to stay and talk him into staying. But I wouldn't give up much draft capital for Russell Wilson. I mean, I wouldn't give up two, you know, two number ones, anything like that. I just wouldn't do it at this point. Well, I think, too, that he might have came back too early. I think that Mel Finger was hurt worse than what they, they said it is. And just like last night, Tatum Hill, just throwing that football is a little bit different when you got some finger issues. And and so I think that's one of the things that hurt him. He came back too fast. Geno Smith couldn't come, go in and win no games for him, so he was pressured to get back on that football field. And really, just it just hurt the team. And so, you know, I think these injuries, especially when you get up in age 30 years old or 32 years old, you know, those injuries uh, take a little longer to heal. The body's not the same. So I think there's, there's a lot of things that was in the equation that we, you know, people have to look at, you know, for us. So, you know, he, he, he's not being able to throw that ball the way he was throwing it early in his career. He definitely done dropped off. There are not too many job openings for the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And I can't see Russell Wilson wanting to go to the, the Detroit Lions. Let's say they move on from Jared Joff. I couldn't see the Eagles moving on from Jalen Hurts, putting in all this time developing him, and then he goes to the Eagles. I, mean, I could I see it. I, maybe I could see it too. Uh, the Giants, are they really going to move on from Daniel that. Jones? I Russell could see Wilson? that. But are they in winning situations that appeal I could, I could, to Russell I could, Wilson? I could, I, could, I could see the Browns moving on from him. I could see the Steelers going after him with big bet issues. I could see a lot of teams that would be very interested in Russell Wilson, Jack. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Not a few. Yeah, oh, I guess you're right. But is he going to be a real difference maker? Are they contenders, well, those Even teams? the Saints. Even the Saints, you know. Yeah. Um, the Saints, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we. I mean, I think there would. I be agree a with lot that. Of, yeah, the Saints. A lot of teams very interested in Russell Wilson. The Panthers. I mean, you could go on and on and on with the teams that would much, would rather have Russell the, the Wilson. Broncos, the Broncos. The Broncos would probably be re- yeah. interested in Russell Wilson. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, Jesus. I mean, there's so many teams that would be upgraded yeah. at Russell Wilson as their quarterback. You, you guys know, make we, good points. I I kind of backtrack after listening to both of you. Both yeah. of you are right on that. But keep in mind, the Saints don't quite. I mean, the Seahawks gave up the two number one picks to get Jamal Adams from the, you know, Jets. So they're going to have to replenish their draft, you know, supply, draft picks. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It'll be very interesting. I think Russell Wilson has a good few four or five years left in him. So we'll yeah, see no what happens. Yeah. Byron, thank you for coming in again. Good luck on your, uh, on, what is it, a camp you're running or just a meeting or what is it? I'm that going over to college. We I got a social justice deal today. and I, um, But I, I, I go to Tampa Bay uh, to talk about some 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 new technology, uh, electronic wristband, armband, to, that you can download your whole playbook. So I'm, I'm excited about the technology that we can do and, and change, the, change the concept of, of football. That sounds good. Hey, what happens if hey, the, what happens if the chip breaks? You're you're hit. No, it don't, it's it's not chip. You can't you can't get you can't get broken. It's, it's it, that's football is made too complicated. I'd love to see a team. You that you have an Aaron Rodgers, for example. He calls the players in the huddle and just tells them like they were kids. You go here. You go here. You go here. And, you know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers can make it work. You get the right players. You know, you crisscross. You do this, that. They make it too complicated. What about a, relieving, a reliever at the quarterback? What about that? 
It's working. Hey, listen, it works. I mean, it's uh... not for Taysen Hill. It doesn't. So anyway, Byron, <laughs> uh, thanks for coming in. Go have a great day. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you, uh, everybody. Byron Williams is on JNB Talking Shop every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Northeast Streaming Sports YouTube channel. Tune in. Great show. They have a lot of fun over there. Great, great info and a lot of entertainment. Byron, thanks for stopping in as you always do, my yeah. friend. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Take care, Byron. There you go, folks. Byron Williams, former wide receiver, NFL, CFL, WFL, uh, with a a lot of knowledge about the football, playing, being in the locker room, being a pro in the different leagues. I mean, we love having him every week. So we're going to have Keith Angle joining us here momentarily, Jack, from TGI Sports. He's on every week with us. Talk a little bit of Patriots, talk a little bit about Knicks, talk a little bit about baseball and the Yankees. How come they didn't make any moves before what everybody else was? But we'll find out what Keith's opinion is on that. And, of course, college football. A lot of stuff happening over there. We'll talk to him about that, too. So, folks, stick with us. We'll be right back after these messages. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from us free. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Those speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer Gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Banana, and I'm here to say I am the top banana in the world today. Now you know the best. Bananas in the land. So don't slay a fight with an inferior brand. When is it, Chiki? It's a very good day to buy bananas. Grandma, what's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. I heard you want to be a frito bandido like me. You do, and you must sing the bandito song. Let's sing together. 
just swallow the bouncing Fritos corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido, I like Fritos corn chips, I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips, I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Bandito song. And you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munch, 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 munch Fritos corn chips. If you talk, your they will hear you oh, no. every single time. Oh, we get killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle's mother kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so I... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill. But they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And we'll be on Northeast Streaming Sports and all the other outlets in a little bit soon as the show is over, where you can go listen to us or watch us on our other platforms. We just had Byron in and uh, talking about the NFL and all the stuff that goes along with it, Jack. And, uh, you know, a lot of interesting stories out there in the NFL today, especially uh, with so many teams alive uh, in the NFL. And, you know, the Buffalo Bills, we're going to have Keith on here in a minute and talk a little bit about the Patriots who are playing the Bills. I think it's Monday night, if I'm correct. Um, the Bills have kind of kind of not been playing up to what we thought in the beginning of the year. We thought they were going to, you know, be maybe 12 and, and 3, 12 and 4, and, and, you know, they would have to win out to be 12 and 4. Now, what do you see the biggest problem right now with the Bills, Jack? Let's talk a little Bills, man. Is it the offense? Is it the defense? What's going on over there? Well, there's 17 games, so they're not going to be 12 and 4. They'll be 12 and 5 or 13 and 4. You know, barring a tie, uh, you know, the Bills didn't address their running game in the offseason or really in the draft. They felt they had some injuries to their offensive line last year, and that was going to straighten things out. They've been, they've just kind of been erratic. I mean, they'll have a bad week, but then they're going to bounce right back and play really well. 
I, th I think the, uh, this Sunday is going to be revealing, you know, playing the Patriots because the Patriots are really on a great run and it's a big, big game for divisional supremacy. Uh, and it's going to tell us a lot about the Buffalo Bills, especially, you know, the game being at Buffalo. If they lose to New England there, that's an indication. Wow, maybe the Bills aren't as good as we thought they'd be. Even for those who didn't pick the Bills to go to the Super Bowl, they all thought the Bills would be in the mix. They'd be in there contending at the end. And uh, I think the Bills will be fine when all is said and done. Singletary is a good runner, you know. You know, Stefan Diggs, he didn't catch many touchdown passes, you know, especially early in the year. So they'll get him going. And their defense, I think, is really, really good. It hasn't always played up the par, but, you know, I think it'll all come together. And they'll be in the mix, you know, at well, the end. Well, well, in the mix right now. Two questions for you. Does, does this game really mean that much? I'm going to play again. All right. So say, say the Bills lose to the Patriots on Monday night. Just say they do. Yeah. So they dropped to seven and five. That's still they're still in the hunt, and they still got the Patriots again. So is it really that big a deal if the Bills win or lose this week? I mean, you're going to say for first place, yeah, but there's still a lot of games left. No, I don't mean so much. You know, even though it is important, you know, your position in the standings, any small chance, you know, are you getting a buy? Even though it's important from that perspective. It sends out a message, how good are the Buffalo Bills? I mean, there's no way they're taking New England lightly. They're going to be really up for this game. They're aware of how big a game this is. And if the Bills are to lose to the Patriots, why would we think they would turn it up a notch late in the season? This is it. It is late in the season now, Mac. I mean, we're coming into the NFL's equivalent of the championship rounds now, the end of the regular season. And this is an indication of how good a team the Bills are because it's a very big game and there can't be any possible excuses for them to play subpar in any way, shape, or form. And I think it's going to indicate at least at this point in the season who's a better team, Buffalo or New England. New England's been playing better but I think Buffalo's the better team, and I do think they show up this, you know, weekend and they do get it done. But I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a tough game. We're going to play better. They won six. And the zero. bottom line is, let's not forget, as high as I am on Mac Jones and as well as he's performed, he is a rookie. He does have limitations. He doesn't stretch the field like an elite quarterback, you know, does like the few elite quarterbacks in the league do. Well, uh, so the Buffalo defense, I mean, they should have success, you know, against the Patriots if they could stop their running game, which I, yeah, I think they'll be able to do. Let's bring up Keith and, and continue the conversation. Keith, of course, from TGI Sports Talk. Great host, great show. How are you doing, Keith? Good morning, gentlemen. I, a few minutes late. You probably thought I was uh, stiffing you no, again two weeks I in a row. That'd be sad. About, I would never do that purposely. I was going to make a comment about Keith right before intermission. Keith, when Max said you were coming on, you like to talk about the Patriots. You like to talk about the Knicks. You like to complain about the Yankees. Well, yeah. I like to complain about the Knicks too. I did a lot of complaint about the Patriots last year as well, by oh, the okay. way. <laughs> so, so let's, me and Jack were talking about this game. Me, honestly, Keith, I don't think it's that big of a deal either way. Win or lose, either team is still in it. The only Patriots, one game behind. 
They're only yeah, one they both control their own destiny. Whoever yeah, wins or loses. It's a, look, it's an important game because we haven't seen them. People talk about the Patriots and the schedule they played, blah, blah, blah. So it's an important game in that sense. But if they lose a close game here, they still control their own destiny, and I'm okay with that. I agree, too. I, I Listen, Josh Allen hasn't been playing the way he has consistently. I mean, he has some really big games. But he has some really bad games, too, where it looks like he's inaccurate again. So he's been up and down. The Patriots' defense is playing lights out. The running game is playing very well. Mac Jones threw for over 300 yards last week, so he did do some damage. Um, but I don't think this is the end all. I think we take a game and we make it like this is it. If they don't win it, well, you know, this shows who's better. I don't agree with that. It's a the message Saints, game, Mac. The, the Saints, the Saints beat. Listen, the Saints beat Tampa Bay twice last year, Jack. Yeah, it came down to it: who wins the playoffs and who goes to the Super Bowl. The I game think, in th- the game in but, three weeks is likely to be end all be all, but might be. I feel it's a message game, guys. It's sending out a powerful Mm -hmm. message. I won't disagree. If the Patriots beat the Bills, psychologically, the Bills can no longer feel that they're the best team in the AFC East. They'll say, darn it, the Patriots have been on a great run. They've overtaken us. The burden's on us to to get back on top. But if the Bills beat the Patriots – Especially if it's decisive, it's like they've restored order in the division. Again, again, I'll bring up again. I'll bring up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Saints beat the hell out of them the first game. They beat them twice in the regular season. Patriots win the playoffs. Go Super Bowl. Win the Super Bowl. I think we make a huge deal. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, I know. I know this is for first place. I understand it. It is significant to a point. I just don't think it's the end all. So the Patriots, you know, they're going to sell to stop the Patriots run. They're going to make Mac Jones try to beat them. That's what we've been hearing all week. So everybody tries to do. <laughs> what do you think the Patriots are going to do? The Patriots are going to are going to sell out, stop the run, and make Josh Allen beat him too, which I don't know yeah. if he can. We'll find out. I think it's going to be a great game. I give the Patriots the edge right now. They got all the momentum. I really think the Patriots will squeak out a winner here. That, that don't mean Buffalo won't win the playoffs and Patriots will win in the playoffs. I just think for this game, the momentum is all on the Patriots' side. They're playing like a team. They got the better coach, no hands down. Yeah, and they get a better overall team right now than the Bills do consistently. Yeah, I agree. One thing, one thing to be careful of with Josh Allen in this type of game is one thing that the Patriots over the last several years and for a while really have struggled with are athletic quarterbacks who can move around and run the football. Yeah, he may beat if he beats them, he may very well beat them with his legs and not his arms. Guys, you don't want Mac. One thing I said a moment ago. The Patriots are going to try to make Josh Allen beat them. Don't try that because Josh Allen will beat you. Okay. Well, he'll he'll here's what I think. It's not, you don't want to challenge Josh Allen straight out. Okay? Now, listen, listen well, I think every, every job of a good defense, especially Bill, Bill Belichick's coach defense, defense is stop the run first. That's you know, what and doing. I think to uh, Max's point, and I think they'll stop there. And they gave up 270 yards rushing last week. But, again, they, they didn't break a lot. They didn't give up many 13 points. And with 270 r- yards rushing is – I don't know how that even happens. But um, to Max's point about them making Allen beat them, the way to do – is that you, they need to take Diggs out of the game. If they take Diggs out of the game and Allen doesn't have him to go to, now Allen's got to figure out how to beat him. That, so that's how I'll take what Max says. And I agree with him 100%. Now it's on Allen's – and he's a different guy. If you take that guy away, take Diggs away from his main target, he's going to have to improvise, and and Bill Belichick is going to love it if he starts improvising. He's not the player he was a year ago. He's still a great well, I mean, player. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, the Bills are a good team. I'm not taking nothing away from the Bills. I think the Me Bills either. could beat the Patriots. Me I think either. they could. There's, there's no doubt in my mind they could beat the Patriots. I think it's going to be a great game. I you just know, think – go ahead. And to, go ahead. To, that's okay. To Jack's point, too, about it being a message game, if you want to say it's a big game for somebody, this is a bigger game in my mind for Buffalo than it is for New England. Much bigger. I agree completely, 100%. That's why I'm saying yeah. the, the Patriots can lose this game – and they can rationalize. Look, we've been on a winning streak. We would do to have a little bump on the road. We're going to reset. Play, right? We'll get them next time. Yep. It's not as big a deal, as big a game to the Patriots to me as Buffalo. But if Buffalo is to lose this game, I mean, it's really going to be a blow. Mm-hmm. And then they got to go to New England for the next one. It's 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 going to be hot. I can't because wait for Buffalo that game the day after Christmas. Year. Buffalo came into this year with much greater expectations. Buffalo was considered the consensus team to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. I didn't pick them. Maybe you didn't pick them. Maybe Mac didn't pick them. But they were the consensus team. And all of a sudden, they still, if they beat New England, they're still the consensus team, perhaps. But if they're to lose to New England... They take their spot in the pecking order, looking up at a few other teams, and that's and Miami, right? Miami, Miami, Miami's right on there, and Miami's right on their heels. So it's going to be interesting. I don't take my, I don't get deluded by Miami's. They might get in a wild card race, but not the division race. Miami's not going to. You know, to Max point, to Max point, and I don't want to defend Buffalo by any means, but to Max point about Tampa Bay last year, Buffalo's season this year reminds me a lot of Tampa Bay's last year. Up and down, and people disappointed, and all of a sudden, as, as Max said, playoffs came. Gone. It's a little different. Tampa Bay had a lot of new pieces last year, so they were kind of gelling, and they were seven and five when they went on their roll. Buffalo doesn't have all the new pieces. They're an established team that was just one game away from the Super Bowl the year before, so that's why I think. Buffalo, you need, no excuses there. They just have to get it done in Buffalo against New England. No ifs or buts about it. Agreed. We'll see what happens. Fun game. I can't wait myself. I'm gonna like I'm gonna take a nap from about four o'clock in the afternoon until eight. So let's look. Let's look at the Yankees real quick. Of course, we got a labor labor shut down there. There's no agreement. It probably would get done before the season starts. For what what, what I think is going to happen. Um, but there was a. Big, big free agency, you know, a, a, a huge free agency go- gobble up, right? Everybody was getting free agents. Everybody's making yep. moves. And you and you look over at the Yankees, and they're not doing nothing. Do you think it was a good move not to do anything, Keith? Or do you Horrible. Think they uh, do you think they should have made a couple signings? I mean, here you are, one of the biggest teams as far as money and finances, and here's the Mets making moves. Here's – Boston making moves. Here's, you know, all these other teams are making moves and the Yankees are sitting pat. What's going on over there? They are, I, I have no idea because they think if they think they're going to be able to get all this done after the lockout, because this lockout's not lasting a week, guys, because nothing happens in these labor disputes until the gun's at somebody's head. In February 1st, they're going to sit down and start talking seriously. And the Yankees are going to, when it ends, the Yankees are going to have like a week or two weeks to try to fill the holes that they've left for themselves. Because right now they're starting to season with Hicks in center and Sanchez a catcher and Torrey's at shortstop, and that's just awful. We know how that's going to play out. That's not going to – Keith, Keith, but uh, they have Volpe and Pedraza 
two of their three best minor league prospects are shortstops. So it's basically, Helpful. you know, maybe just fill the gap in for the time being. And one of them might be ready during the season to come and assume the position long term. I understand what you're saying, but there are still some appealing guys on the free agent market. There's Chris Bryant, very appealing third base. There's Freddie Freeman. Well, then you got to play. Uh, uh, gotcha. All of a sudden, his name's escaping me. Who's our third baseman? Uh, Gio Yashella. Yashella, Yashella, you're gonna play shortstop. Yeah, and if they send Chris Bryant, Yashella could play shortstop until one of their, you know, Pedraza Volpe. I mean, there are ways to kind of do it. Listen, if they don't sign a first baseman, Rizzo or Freeman, you know, you got Luke Voigt. I mean, Luke Voigt's been injury prone, but, you know, he can get it done. I got no reason to think he won't be hurt all next year, though, Jack. I don't want a bad contract to be signed. Some of these contracts, they've overpaid. Corey Seager, we would have been happy had the Yankees got him, but not at that that price. I mean, the Yankees would have gladly gotten him had the price been feasible, but some teams sign these crazy contracts and Texas is going to regret that Sega contract at some point. Let me go back to Brian for a second. I love Chris Bryant, by the way. Problem is for me, the big problem with Chris Bryant is he's right-handed and we're already too right-handed. And we know that we can't be go back down that road. I love the, the kid. I think he's very versatile, can play everywhere. And he's, he's, he's a good player. And, and to me, what about the catcher situation? Now, the shortstop situation, I th- still think they can work out. Story's still out there. Uh, Simmons from uh, from the Twins, who I like a lot, can play really good defense, and that's all you really need. I need a guy to make the plays, not embarrass himself at the plate. I'm okay they sign somebody like that. But but who's out there? I don't think the Yankees are crazy about Sanchez. No, but they, what are the why is he still on the team? Is the look at, let's look at the Mets, their crosstown rival. No, we're not going to talk about – no, no. I don't want to no, look well, at the – I'm not talking about the Mets. I'm just giving you an example. Right, right, right. The Yankees. They got Wilson <laughs> Ramos as a free agent. Didn't work out. Then they got McCann, a four-year deal, $10 million. He hasn't exactly been lighting it up. I mean, the market is really thin for catches. Compared to Gary Sanchez, those guys are freaking Thurman Munson. That just had a good run during the year. Keep oh, that in please. Mind. Yeah, just had a good run. Oh, yeah, he had 192. Great. A bad year. He's had a bad for, uh, decade for crying out loud. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, I, I kind of, I don't know whether it's bad or good. I, I wanted your opinion. I thought you would say that. I'm not sure. I don't know what the agreement's going to be or how it's going to go. And I think that's no, what they're waiting for. But yeah, Max, but I, I, I going to do all this in a week. Yeah. There are big holes in the Yankees right now, and they sure didn't attempt to fill one of them. They didn't really attempt it. That's what bothered me. Well, I we mean, got a new third base coach, so there you go. We got that going. Yeah, I mean, listen. Letting our, pile our, away. Our, 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 listen, our center fielder stinks. Let's be honest. Yeah. He's You're going to count on Aaron Hicks to even yeah. stay. First of all, is he any good? He's only had one good year when the Yankees won. And is he even going to play anyway? He's hurt all the time. Yeah. He's got five I, years left. Uh, $10 million a year. I will agree with Jack on one thing there. He, he just mentioned quickly. I think the biggest mistake, and it doesn't mean they can't bring him back. I like Tyler Wade because he can do so many yeah. different things. He brings some speed to the team. And look, yeah. he's not a great player, but every really good team has got a Tyler Wade on it. 
So I like Tyler Wade. Well, That's you know who's going to be playing, Keith? You know who's going to be playing a lot of center field for the Yankees? Gaudy, when all is said and done. Guys will be getting injured. So I might as well just watch the, I'll watch the games from last season, and I won't have to really pay attention this year. I'll be there you go. So anyway, so let's 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 put you on to the, the Knicks real quick. Get down big as they have. And what is it with them in the first half, Keith? I mean, the first half of games, they come out, they get trounced. And they try yeah. to make a comeback in the second half, whether it's a bench, whether it's a start. I don't know. Listen, the chemistry is terrible right now. Tibbs yeah. is doing a terrible job right now with that chemistry. It's the coach's fault. I don't want to hear how great he is right now. Right now he's coaching terribly. They don't have any kind of chemistry on, on that team at all. And, and right now the problems to me is Tibbs. To me, he's, he is not putting together the best team or at least firing, firing them up for the first, first half anyway. And yeah, it keeps I, like this. It's, it's crazy. Keith. You know, at the risk of, of uh, legitimizing um, Carlos's argument to get rid of Tibbs, uh, I can't give Tibbs a credit that I gave him last year for changing the culture and then give him a pass now. I can't give him a pass. He's got to find a way to fix this. That's his job. The chemistry on a starting five is in, in the energy level is not good. <clears throat> they played much better when Burke started the other night, which gave him something to think about, but I think, and again, this will feed into, again, Carlos's argument. He needs to get some of these kids. They played a really good game, the uh, I don't know, a few games ago, and Grimes got a lot of time and Sims got a lot of time, and these kids need to play because they bring a different level of energy to the, to the team when they're in there, and he needs to find a way to get them in the rotation more. And at this point, I don't care who it's at the expense of. If Walker's got to go to the end of the bench, then that's what it's got to be. Forget about egos. Forget about everything. This team can't afford to take well, a Walker back. didn't play yesterday yeah. since already started. I think the well, problem there you go. with the Knicks might be a little less the Knicks than the rest of the league, the rest of the East. Teams have gotten better. True. That's why they're coming on. A team like the Chicago Bulls is much better than they were. The Atlanta Hawks have a lot of upside. Miami getting Kyle Lowry. They have yeah, but the Knicks are losing to games to the Magic and to you know the, the Pacers, and you can't lose those games. You can't lose those are must-win yeah. games because you're not going to beat all these top teams, you know, seventy percent of the time. Yeah, I agree. I I I I blame nobody. I gave Tibbs credit last year too. Like, there's nobody to blame right now to me than Tibbs right now. Because and, and and again, it's not too late to fix this. You know, oh, they're no, only no, got plenty of time. Only four they games don't have the personnel to fix it completely, guys. I mean, what can you they do? They didn't have it last year, Jack, but they – The Tibbs did a phenomenal job well, last this year. Is, this year he's four. not. This is not last it's year anymore. It's hard. You can only this milk it out so much. I, the one I, guy I'd like to see play. become a regular, I, not off the bench, would be Obi Toppin. Let's see whether – Toppin's played – you know, Toppin's one of the bright spots of the early this season. He said he's played some really good basketball in spurts this year. He's gone up from twelve minutes a year last twelve minutes a game last year, ten to twelve minutes to maybe seventeen, eighteen minutes. He's had some really That's good more, games this year too, and I think you're you need to see more of him because again, right, makes the team more athletic, which they're not when it's Fournier. Uh, out there just shooting threes. And I got to tell you, and when I they signed for Fournier, I really thought it was probably a good addition because it added a little bit of a uh, something that they were missing, lacking. But they're just not a good team when he's out there. He doesn't play good defense in my mind. And he's not shooting the ball for crap. So 
I think he needs to be moved to the bench and come off the bench. First. I think so too. That's what I, I think so too. And again, that's Tibbs has got to figure out what to do with this rotation and who plays with who and stop worrying about people's egos. And it's not like him to do that either. I don't think he does. Kemba Walker, he sat down. I don't think he's about well, he's getting he's there now. Back. It's about time, Jack. Yeah, yeah he's, he's getting there first. now. We got to do, you know. It's 20 days a quarter of the season gone, and he figured that out. Listen, he's a he's great a, coach, coach yeah. of the year last year. I'm going to give him a benefit of doubt right now that he can figure this out. But it's time. It's 22 games. You're a quarter away through the season. It's time to figure this out now and start winning games consistently. So, so let's get the college part of your of your segment when you come in. Um, you know, uh, besides the two faced trader Ryan Kelly leaving and leaving Notre Dame high and dry, uh, get your thoughts on that first, Keith. I mean, well, here's a coach. Well, it's here's not just Ryan Kelly, Ryan, but Lincoln Riley, the same situation. Well, the season is not over. Different reasons, though. I mean, if you think about it, Riley left because of the move, uncommon move with Oklahoma moving to SEC. That's the word out there. That's what I've been reading, right? He doesn't want to go to SEC. He wanted to stay where he was at. Still he left his kids high and dry. He did, but he did. He did that for a reason. He didn't do that for money as much as Brian Kelly, who has uh, still one of the most legitimate jobs in the in the nation in Notre Dame, leaves for the money, and Notre Dame still has a shot at getting into it. There is a parallel with Lincoln Riley somewhat. Different reasons, though, Keith. Different reasons. Yeah, no, I agree. Listen, well, sticking to Kelly, I think it's a stupid move for, for Brian Kelly, to be honest with you. If you're going to tell me Brian Kelly couldn't go to Notre Dame and say, I need to make $95 million over the next 10 years, they'd give it to him in a heartbeat. He's making seven or eight now. He's not that far away from it. And he could stay at Notre Dame for those 10 years and win one national championship, and he'd be a god. He's going to go to LSU and not win in three years, and he's going to be looking for a job because now he's competing against in the SEC against the Alabamas and the Georgias day in and day out, not just recruiting. And don't forget, this isn't his recruiting base. is isn't the southeast part of this country. It's the Midwest, and that's where his career has been spent, and that's where he's got cachet. And I, this is a horrible move uh, for me. I think it's a horrible move for Brian Kelly. I think the – and I tie it to the Lincoln Riley uh, move in the sense that it's bad for college football. How can any kids trust any coach that comes into their living room and says, I want you playing for me for the next four years. Why would you trust any coach to tell you that when he could be gone in a week? And the other thing is the time of these things, Jack, as you mentioned, or Mac, as you mentioned, is atrocious. And part that's partly the NCAA's fault when the signing periods fall and whatnot. That's why these coaches get fired early. That's why they're hired early. And you're you're firing them and hiring them in the most important time of the playing part of the season. It's wrong. Notre Dame's still got an outside chance, very outside chance, at making the playoff. They need a lot of things to happen. But for that, I mean, it's crazy. And I think Notre Dame did the right thing, too, in, in, in quickly cutting Kelly off at the pass and saying, you're not taking Marcus Freeman with you. We're making him the head coach. Because I think he was counting on his coordinators going with him. No, I, I, I just – I listen, I, uh, in the NFL, you can't do that. It, it's contractual. The NFL would put a stop to that in a minute. Yeah. College football, you're supposedly co- coaching amateurs. This is supposed to be an amateur sport. Where it's all about the school and it's all about yeah. la, la, la. come on, man. Well, well so let, instead, let me play that. So instead of penalizing the coaches, right, or not even penalizing, but holding, making them hold their contract, either stay or don't coach at all, 
they put in rules so the kids can move if the coach moves, which makes it even a more chaos because kids can move. For, you know, I can go to four schools in four years if I want to. Yeah. I mean, that rule, that transfer portal has gotten out of control. I get it. If Brian Kelly leaves me high and dry in Notre Dame, I should have a chance to move and not be penalized. But that's really the only situation I like the portal. Good point. Oh, sorry, good point. Jack. Go ahead. No, I was just playing devil's advocate. Let's say Notre Dame started losing on the Brian Kelly. The alumni would get upset and there'd be talks of replacing him. So mm -hmm. don't you think coaches think a little selfish? Look, I'm winning now. If I wasn't winning, who would care about me? So well, they yeah, move well, on same thing's going to happen to him at LSU. Position of strength. His situation won't be different at LSU, though. No, like I mentioned, LSU, what did they win two, three years ago? They won the national championship. Yeah, well, unless Joe Burrow and Joe coach, Brady are walking through the door. Unless Joe Joe Burrow gets some more college eligibility left, they're not winning a national championship. No, anymore. no, but the point is they don't have the same coach. I mean, you win a national championship, you'd think your coach is going to be there for years. Supposedly there were issues outside there, of the football. Field. There were a lot of issues there, right? Coach Ed kind of went nuts there for a bit and you know yeah. but but the point is, you know, you you know what I kind of think in just about any big time program, you could find issues, you could find improprieties, maybe in just recruiting one player at some point. I think you could dig things up. You could make accusations, oh, even if they're not true. Of course you could. You got to win now, though. That's the thing. All these coaches, nobody's safe. And again, we talked about the coaches leaving. The loyalty's not on the other side either, right? Because I can fire you if you don't win. Now the, you don't get a chance to build a program over five years. You got to do it and win in a couple. And that Orgeron is, is probably not the best example because to me, he's a great football character. He's a great fo college football uh, assistant coach who fell into Joe Burrow and Joe Brady being his offensive coordinator, won, an, won a title. And other than that, he's just, a mediocre college football coach. He's a great character. His character's grown a lot the last two years, apparently, but that's for another story, another show. Keith, we got to take a quick break and bring up uh, your friend Pags here on the other side. We'll talk a little sure. Philadelphia sports with him. Thanks for coming as you do every week. We'll see you Sunday no for the Patriots review and uh, good luck. Uh, good luck. Well, we'll talk about it more. Have a great weekend. By the way, Jack, don't think I didn't hear that uh, Hoyer crack you made yesterday. I heard it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, uh, this, I'll tell you, he makes a nice living, Brian Hoyer, as a backup. He's in a great spot. You don't have to play, you know, and you, you wonder how badly he wants to play at this point. <laughs> I agree Dave. with that. Say, All right, thanks, Keith, have a good one. We'll see, we'll, see you next. we'll see you Sunday, buddy. Have a good weekend. See ya. Well, there you go, folks. Keith Angle with our uh, Patriots, New York Yankees, college, and uh, what the heck else. Knicks update. Right after this, we got this quick break. We have the one and only Jamie Paz coming on with the Philly update. Always a pleasure having him on. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. Here comes the king, here comes the big number one. But why the beer, the king is second to none. 
just say but wiser you've said it all here comes the king of this so let your glasses here but wiser fears the one that's leading the rest and each word aging makes it fear at its best when you say but one takes so down you so loud and clear there's only one but wiser fear when you say but you said it all We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. see right now without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? Yes, sir, folks. Happy days are here again as the Giants take care of business and beat the rival Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care if we win another game this year, Jack. We beat the Eagles. And that's all that matters to me right now. So with that being said, let's bring up the Philly sports guy and see what he's got to say. How you doing, Pax? Good morning, guys. How are you? <laughs> Doing great, man. Doing I don't great. know how Max started off with that nonsense. Just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm used to hearing like the old commercials and the old songs and stuff like that. You started playing that song. And, and of course, the, you know, in Philadelphia, they've had this longstanding tradition of the Mummers Parade. And, and that song specifically is something that you hear every New Year's Eve, uh, New right. Year's Day, I mean. So uh, I, I'm used to hearing that song. Uh, it's just not, not, not not typically to, to bag on me, which is what this was just done there. But uh, you know, it's, yes, hey, listen. Yes. After after watching that game, uh, I, nobody could be really excited except Giants fans because they won. You know, but ultimately, uh, it was a bad game all the way around. Well, I mean, it, it was, was it was ugly to watch. It, it was. I just looked back at the, the the one of the reports we had live from that stadium when that right foot was going to stop the Giants, and the left foot was going to stop the Jets. 
So it was the, interesting, <laughs> it was, it was the New York two-step. <laughs> yes, it was. So, so I, I enjoyed playing that for you, Pags, and for the people out there. Just to, just to, just to compliment you on your two-step. I thought maybe you could dance to that song around the room, but you were right. I did pick the Eagles to win that. To be honest, uh, the Eagles blew that game. The Giants didn't play that much better on offense at all. Their defense did okay, and the Eagles' offense just couldn't get on track. But, you know, it's it's interesting to me how that uh, perception in the NFL is that you have to pass. And ultimately, that high-flying passing offenses are going to be the ones that go furthest in this league. And I think that Tennessee showed us within the last two years, and I feel like that even the Eagles right now uh, – before Sunday's game, last Sunday's game, we're showing how you could actually have a high-flying running offense. I agree. Even yes, even last Sunday, they got over 200 yards rushing. There are times when teams don't have 200 yards passing and win games. When you get 200 yards in one facet of the game, why would you go beyond that facet in my mind? Like, why why try to force something that's not working? And, you know, I it hasn't been spoken about much this week because a lot has been put on the fact that uh, you have you have Hertz who still can't throw the long ball, and every time he throws the long ball, I mean, number 29, I think, got two more interceptions, but all he had to do was stick up and hand up, put his hand up for a fair catch. You know, it was like that's how he was getting those interceptions. And the fact that Hertz makes those decisions still is bothersome to me. Like this is now now you you you've you're a rookie, I get it. You this is your 17th game. He's about to go into his 17th start. So it's not it's not like he's got all of the answers there, but that's something like especially on third down. I understand why they had to throw it on third down and goal at the end of the half because they didn't have any more timeouts. If they ran the ball and they got stopped, they were not going to be able to get the the field goal unit on the field. So I understood why you had to throw it. But why try to push something that's not there? I mean, you saw all of the Giants people. Everybody was crowded into that corner. Maybe you just throw it away and then go ahead and get the three points. They didn't do that. And because they didn't do that, uh, it, it started to come back and affect them towards the end of the game as well. So it's there, there's a lot of different reasons that uh, you could push blame on. But I also blame it on some of the coaching. I oh, yeah. feel that. I feel that you had 270 yards rushing the ball against the number one rush defense the week before. And all of a sudden, you're going to start trying to pass the ball. And I feel like they really did miss uh, Jordan Howard, uh, that they need that guy who's just that bruiser back who can just bust through the line and get those two yards when it's you know second and two or third and two. And, you know, Jordan Howard has been just that guy. He's been able to carry guys three and four yards once he gets hit. And I I really hope that the coaching staff understands that you don't need to have – when you're running the ball for 20 yards and 25 yards at a click, that's a pass as far as I'm concerned. Who cares what play it is that made that 20 yards happen as long as it happened? 
and they do those running plays that are getting 9, 12, 18, 20 plus yards rushing. Why not why not call the game that way? I don't feel the need that they need to pass much. They should have a running offense. And I feel like with running running the offense like that, you wind up ball possession. Uh, I know that they had a couple of turnovers, you know what I mean? And that's that Boston Scott turnover that went right into the, you know, again, number 29's hands just went right into his hands. I mean, again, that doesn't happen very often for Boston Scott. Uh, you got to, but that still didn't even lose the game. They didn't score any points off of the turnovers. They had four turnovers and scored zero points off of them. And and so, 29 is Xavier McKinney for everybody out there who's a, who's a, a safety that's finally coming into his own. He's going to be really good for a lot of years. I agree with a lot what you said there, Pags. I also saw a receiver get hit in the face mask at the end of the game and drop the ball, and that wasn't Hurts' fault. So, I mean, there was a lot of things at Philadelphia. I think panic sets in with them for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, I think they get frustrated. They, they're running the ball well. It's like, well, let's throw it down. Let's score. I, I think the Eagles, for some reason or another, during their games, when they lose the games, are because they come away from the running game and they, for some reason, think they have to pass. And I don't know why that is. But, uh, you know, listen, you got the Jets coming up this week. You can run the ball. The Jets' defense is not one of the best in the league by far. But they are competitive. The Jets have a competitive team. And if the Eagles lose, if they do, I don't think they will. But if they do, are the Eagles all done? Yeah, <laughs> I mean now now, now uh, let's look at the history of the Eagles versus the Jets. The Jets have never, ever beaten the Eagles. It doesn't yeah. mean a thing, Pags. These oh, guys it does. It does. Things like that actually do mean started. something. So if, if this team was the first team to ever lose to the Jets, and the Jets being as abysmal as they are. You better believe that it's going to mean something. The, I think the, the Eagles are trying to salvage their season. That's why the game against the Jets is so big. Not it's beca- not because they want to keep a legacy going. This the Eagles season really is on the line. You said it best a moment ago. If they don't beat the Jets, realistically, they have no shot at the playoffs. Realistically. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely but, not. You know, they, they, no. they beat the Jets. Okay, maybe they can move forward and get then they could get to 500 the week after that, conceivably. Okay, so so much is on the line for the Eagles, not that much is on the line for the Jets. I mean, if the Jets lose, they lose. It's a rebuilding year. Obviously, it's an up. This is a winnable game for the Jets. You win this game if the Jets can. End the season five and twelve. They have three wins right now. You could say they made progress over being a two-win team, two-win team the year before. But for the Eagles, more is on the line. Uh, absolutely. I mean, they the fact that the Eagles are still in a playoff hunt here is really, really sort of indicative of the play of the whole entire NFC conference. It's not. I mean, the teams that are right above them are teams that we beat. Well, I mean, the Saints now have have fallen back a spot because of the loss yesterday. But Atlanta is ahead of us. You know, and we beat Atlanta. Minnesota has got the same, you know, has got a a half a game up on us right now. And we don't play Minnesota. And then, of course, we haven't had any games with Washington yet. Or, you know, like, so now we have after the Jets game and our bye. How did the tiebreakers work for the Eagles 
I mean, against some of the other teams that, you know, might be a game ahead of them, a game behind them. How would it work if a playoff scenario, let's say the Eagles could go eight and nine, which is a possibility this year with the tiebreakers favor them. As if well if as they the went eight and nine, if they went eight and nine this year, they wouldn't be able to have the tiebreakers because they haven't. That would mean that uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming the Jets is a win. That might be a little bit of a, a, an assumption, but I think that that's, that's common. If they go 8-9, and nine, that means they've lost more in the division and that none of the tiebreakers would work. The fact that we have, we've only had two divisional games and right now we're 0-2 in the division is what's the biggest hankering on us. We'd have to win out our divisional games to become four and two, which is in set is going to set our conference record better as well. Cause we've actually done pretty well in the conference. It's out of the conference that we haven't done real well uh, in terms of that. We've beaten the saints. We've beaten uh, Carolina. We lost to Tampa Bay. And uh, who was the other team that uh, we wound up with the 49ers we lost to. So that's a conference game. Con- you know, so they're going to wind up having the, you know, over on us but other than that it's going to be minnesota is the one team that if we were to win out if minnesota wins out they actually have the tiebreaker over us as of right this moment but i'm going to tell you this when you consider not you what most people thought the eagles season was going going to be the eagles have five games left if they go two and three the rest of the way and finish off at seven and ten they would have actually exceeded expectations from the majority of people, you know, who predicted how they do before the season. You know, we were talking about the Eagles being a three, four, maybe five win team. So seven wins would actually exceed expectations. But if the Eagles are to lose to the Jets and wind up losing four of their last five remaining games and finish up six and 11, the season would have went flat, I think. Uh, well, I agree. I think that there's too the schedule is too easy, you know. And of course, it's easy because we're playing against the rest of the NFC East, and the NFC East has not been a great, you know, division this year as well. So that's if we were all if we were all at 500 or above 500, we would have one of the toughest schedules in the league. So it's it's funny how. You know, I guess how the perception is that it's such an easy schedule. It's not an easy schedule because they're all divisional games. I mean, Washington, you know, Washington themselves get to play four weeks for only two teams. And that is an incredible advantage in terms of once you figure out somebody a little bit, you know, if even if you lose that game, you're going to see them again in two weeks. So you get to implement and get to make those adjustments so that you could actually go after them a little bit differently the next game around. The fact that they get to do that twice in two weeks really is something that helps them, I feel. The fact that the Eagles have a bye week next week is going to be very helpful, that we get a little bit of rest. We get to, you know, we get to heal a little bit. You know, I know that there, I mean, I know that Kelsey's playing with a lot of injury right now. And, you know, it's week 13 of the NFL. So there's dings and dents all over the place that you get to just heal a little bit. You get to solve some of those, you know, nagging pains that may may result from just a, a long season and get into the final four games where the rest of you know that's that's going to determine the season 
I mean, it doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. It's only being able to move forward. And the fact that they still have a chance at the playoffs, I'd like to see them make the playoffs, even though I don't expect them to do anything in the playoffs, because you want to see that playoff experience. You want to be able to see what it's like when you just dial it up a little bit more and you see how the speed actually gets faster in the playoffs in comparison to the regular season. Well, you know, you know, Pags, there's more teams alive in the playoff race than ever in history, right? You've got, as you said, the 49ers, I think they're at 500 now, or they're over 500, six and five. They're only a game behind the Rams who have fallen off a little bit. You got the Vikings. You got, I mean, even in the South, the Saints and the Carolina Panthers are still alive. And then you got Washington coming on now. And the Giants still have an outside chance. They're not going to make it, but they still got an outside chance of making it. So there's a lot of teams alive. And I don't think the beginning of the season really matters anymore. I don't I don't care if you beat Carolina before or not. And I don't care if you beat uh, who you would call before, the, the Falcons. The Falcons are alive too because a lot of these teams, you're going to be competing against a lot of teams to get in the playoffs. And if you make the wild card, you guys have had a hell of a year, I think. And, and I don't know if that's going to happen, but – uh, to talk about, you know, you say you got Ed, the, the the East teams coming up. You've lost to Dallas. You lost to the Giants. I don't know if you'll beat Washington twice. You might beat them once, and you still got Dallas coming back at you. That's going to be a tough order for the Eagles to get to get in the playoffs this year. Let's just put it that way. Oh, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I at the beginning of the season, I said they were going to go nine and eight, and I didn't believe nine and eight was going to be strong enough to get into the playoffs. It's because everybody is doing so well against the NFC in comparison the AFC into the NFC that that's why we're doing even why why we even got a sniff. You know what I mean? Because the N the NFC has just been. Uh, terrible against the AFC, and the AFC has won most of those games. I think they've won like seventy percent of the games against the AFC or against the NFC. Guys, and- let's stop this talk with the playoffs with the Eagles. Pags, you're you're given a pass because I look at you as a like a player in the locker room. You have to have that mindset. We forgive you, Mac. Come on, Mac. You and I, the Eagles aren't making the playoffs. It's about respectability. Is Jalen Hurts going to be their quarterback next year? That's a big issue. If Russell Wilson should become available, and I think he will be, Philadelphia is appealing to him. Can they put together a package to get him? Are they happy with Jalen Hurts' progress? I think they would have to wait. I really really believe they're going to have to wait to the end of the season before they make any kind of assumptions. If the Eagles went out, Jack, and it can happen, the Eagles went out. They're in the Eagles playoffs. are not making the playoffs. No, They're not winning out. They're well, not I, I'm just trying to tell you something. Nobody thought. You didn't, you, didn't think, you didn't think. You didn't think the Patriots. You didn't think the Patriots. You didn't think the Patriots would make the playoffs, Jack. You didn't think they would win the, the division. Look where they are right now. Wait, so, I didn't say so that. I thought the Patriots would have a winning record this year. Wait, you don't thought. Tell, you about you the Boston thought, Red Sox. You thought. Uh, no, that, I never put the Patriots. I think some. I think some of the colors are getting into his brains from them. 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 You know. Jack said. Jack said there was no way the Patriots could win the division this year. I remember what you said, Jack. And they're in first place. They won six in a row. So. I don't know. Let I don't the know Patriots people. win the division first, okay? Well, I, I stay the course, Mac. That's why I didn't give up on the Atlanta Braves and you tried yeah. me to. I said all along from spring training they'd win the World Series, yeah, and they did. 
I kind of meant gave myself a plug again there. But the <laughs> Eagles, listen, no shame in the Eagles season. They've exceeded expectations, maybe not with PAGs, but from guys like myself. They've been better than I thought they'd be. But the remaining games mean a lot. They got to win a couple of them to validate that they've had a better season than most people like myself thought they were going to have. There's still work to be done, in other words. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely. And I, I, I mean, it wouldn't be a big surprise if we won four of five. It would also not be a big surprise if we won only one of five. I'll be shocked if the Eagles. No, I mean it's it's. There's a lot to be there's a lot to be determined and said from that. I I again, you know, I watched I watched an interview today where uh, they were talking to Doug Peterson, and it was a good hour long interview, and it was interesting to kind of hear just his take on the Eagles and things of that nature, and just seeing what's going on, and you know, and how. He really said, again, he kind of stuck by his guns and said, listen, you know, we had in the game plan that we were going to put in that, you know, we were going to take Hertz out and we were going to give him some time as the third string quarterback to give him a little bit of time. And how, and how just that, how much of a failure that was, that he said he promised the player was going to give him some time. The game didn't mean much. The game doesn't mean, didn't mean anything at all. So he promised the player and he kept his word to the player. Well, by keeping the word to the player, it made it look like it was a real bad situation. And of course, the Giants are, you know, finally just got over all those tears now because they did beat us in that game 13 to 7. But that all being said, I mean, it was still, he's, he's like, hey, I, I just kept my word to the player. I told the player he was going to play. He played. It failed. That whole situation failed and made us look bad as a franchise for a minute. And then, of course, we got, you know, Devontae Smith, and you know, we did a little bit better. We wind up getting an extra pick from Miami because of it. And and those are the types of things that were helpful to the franchise, even though that one game was a loss. And you don't want to lose those games. You don't want to lose any games. But when it doesn't matter as much, and you can't, you said, Hey, I'm going to play you, you're going to get some play time. He kept his word to the to the player. Well, I can't really fault him for that. Was it maybe in the best case scenario? Probably not. It really hurt a lot of Giants' feelings, you know what I mean, in the process of doing that. But ultimately, it is is what it is, you know. I, the think, is yeah. I think uh, Mac probably wants to move on to the Sixers, you know, the Ben Simmons saga, the latest. Any new news well, on Ben Simmons? Well, well let, 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 let's talk really quickly about the Flyers. A good start. They've lost seven in a row below 500. Just a game ahead of the Islands, who I think have lost like 25 million games in a row. Uh, do you see the 76ers rebounding at all this year, Pags? He went from the Flyers to the 76ers. He's just was was like, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, listen, the Flyers have lost seven, and then the 76ers going to bounce back. Uh, the Flyers, I, I think the I, – I, you know, I bleed orange and black, and I bled orange and black before I bled green. And I am really unhappy – with the upper management of the Flyers franchise. I feel that if Ed Snyder was alive today, that he would have really cleaned house in a way that Comcast, because now a corporation owns this team, that they're not doing. And I'm unhappy because they honored one of the 
you know, I mean, Paul Holmgren has done a lot for the Philadelphia organization, but I feel that he has also been some of the cause of the problems that this organization has. And I feel that until they start to make some wholesale changes within the upper echelon of this organization, and I'm talking in the executive level, I'm talking above the coaching staff. I feel that this team is not in any situation ready to win. I feel that they have gone too long from the old way of doing things. And the old way of doing things is so antiquated now that you're running into these situations where they just are not good enough. I think the coaching has not has played a part in that. I think that AV style does not fit this team. I feel that the you know the power play. I tell you, when the the Flyers got a five minute power play, and the one of the things that I happened to turn to somebody and say is, that, you know, they should take a penalty and skate four on four because I think they skate better four on four than they do on the power play. And they didn't score a goal on the power play. They scored the goal after the power play. Once they got back to even strength, two minutes later they scored a goal. You know, but it's just when 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 a fan base. And somebody who loves the organization and doesn't, I don't get paid to play hockey. I don't get paid to coach hockey. I can barely put ice skates on. But when I see what's going on and I don't get paid, how do they not see it? And how do they not start to try to fix it? And that's the issue that I have with the Flyers right now. I don't think the Flyers are going anywhere. I think that as as an organization that they are floundering. And that's a problem. I feel that it's time for really some whole-scale changes in the executive portion of the organization. We're, we're running out of time, so real quick. 76ers, is it the coach? Is it NB's hurt all the time? Is it the Simmons dra- drama bringing you down, or is it everything combined? I think it's a little bit of everything. I don't know. I think that the coach is – probably doing the best that he can. And I feel like that the players are doing the best that they can, but you know, the, the dog days of the middle of the season have caught early to the Sixers right now. And I feel like between being sick and not, you know, being very cohesive and the difficulty of the schedule right now, I mean, they've been playing some tough teams, you know, one after another, after another, after another, and they haven't had many wins to, to do that. I, I think the Ben Simmons thing is weighing on them a little bit, you know, especially since you get to hear more about him and the coach is saying, hey, if unless I'm coaching him, I'm not interested in talking about him, you know, and that's that tells me there's some frustration. That's a frustrating statement to make. So when you're hearing about it all the time, I'm, I'm sure it's playing a little bit of a part, but. You know, I, I think the Sixers are going to right the ship. I, I, I don't think it matters as long as they get in the top six, you know, that they will, you know, that once they get in the playoffs, they're going to be a force to reckon with then. It's just a matter of getting to that point. And, you know, they're just trudging along right now, waiting for that point to happen. Now, basically in closing, I want you to notice Mac hasn't asked you a question about the Phillies in two months. It's like the Phillies don't even exist on this show anymore. Right. Well, and and now baseball doesn't exist because they're locked out. So, <laughs> I, but I will say, I will say, excuse not to ask you about them. Yeah, my 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 Philadelphia football. Union though are in the conference championships this Sunday at the same time as the Eagles, so I can't be at both games. But they got the conference championship against New York, who wind up beating uh-huh. New England, you know, in penalty kicks. So it's hey, we still we still have the potential of having a champion in Philadelphia here wow. uh, uh, by the soccer team. The great, the great penalty kicks decided in a game. I love that game. 
Pags, thanks for coming on. We'll see you Sunday. Have a great day, my friend. All right, you guys do the same. Take care. So, folks, there you have it, the Philly Sports Guy. As we close out the show, I want to remind you, tomorrow we got the debate show. Tomorrow, Saturday from 8 to 10, we got the big football show. Sunday, 8 to 10, uh, we should have Phil Sims on with us Wednesday on our New York Sports Hero thing. Uh, so thanks for joining us. We enjoyed having you in your comments. Have a great Friday night, folks. Take it easy. Mm.